You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Chapel this morning and want to share just a few things as we get started. Please know that this morning you will be listening to stories from our students. Each of us has a story, and all of our stories are different, marked with moments that are good and bad. If there's one thing I'm confident about, my confidence is in the reality that no human experience is without pain, without sorrow. But the message that we also have as believers in Jesus Christ, that there is hope for that pain, for that sorrow to be transformed into the goodness that only becomes a reality as we give our lives to God and allow him to work in us. So it is my hope and it is my request of you, dear students, that you will receive these stories this morning as an opportunity to be informed. We come to chapel for our formation and transformation. I also want to thank you this morning for submitting your questions. Last Wednesday, a week ago, you were given an opportunity to submit questions that you would like for our panelists to address. And some of those questions will be talked about because, of course, you will all be ready to run for class right before 10.50. So there is no way possible that we could address all of the questions. And so we hope to continue to the, continue this dialogue even beyond our chapel. And those pieces will come as we continue to work in our community to build understanding. I just want to acknowledge, before I sit down, I want to acknowledge that Maria Brown and I have been working together. Uh, Maria has been serving as the coordinator for intercultural affairs, and I have been serving now as the assistant vice president for intercultural affairs at the university uh, for a few years. And as I was preparing my heart and mind for this chapel today, what I wanted, wanted to say in terms of an invitation is let us be open to the work that God is doing. Let us be open, let us be willing to hear the stories because these stories are not intended to hurt but these stories are intended to inform us. And so will you please open your hearts and minds and listen to these stories, these conversation, and look for what it is that you can take back with you to reflect and to find a way to see what changes you need to incorporate in your life, what changes I need to incorporate in my life. So let us have a willingness to do that as we receive these stories this morning. So, so as, as I have done that brief introduction, I want to start out uh, by asking uh, Lena this morning, why is this conversation on racial reconciliation or being able to hear uh, the stories, why is it critical for us? Maria, did I miss a cue? Well, we might want to introduce them first. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Please. <laughs> Okay, so my name is Lena. Shout out to my, 
shout out to oh okay. <laughs> shout out to my girls. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, I Do was you need more time. No, <laughs> um, I was born in Michigan, um, and I moved all over because of my dad's job. He was an athletic director at a couple of colleges, and he's a minister. So I lived more in like up north, in the east, like towards the west a little bit. So I've had experience with different institutions, like helping my parents out and stuff, so Good morning, my name is Kyle Purnell. I'm a sophomore, <laughs> thank you. I'm a sophomore here at Asbury, majoring in Bible and theology. And also I am a licensed and ordained minister through the National Baptist Convention. I am from a small town called Moorhead, Mississippi, a predominantly African-American community and county. Thank you. Hi, um, my name is Etta. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, I am Ugandan. Um, I grew up on the African continent most of my life. Um, I'm a sociology major and psych minor. Thank you. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Hello, um, my name is Derek McCoy. I'm, I'm a media major. Um, I grew up in the DMV, which is like one of the most diverse areas in the country. And I went to high school in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, other than that, I've been moving around quite a bit. I grew up in the church, uh, all denominations just about. And that's it. Hello, everybody. I'm Cherit. I love you too. Hi, I'm Charity Johnson, and I am the SLA of Kresge Second Med. Shout out to them. I am a theater major, born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, what else about me? I love to worship. I like to worship freely. I don't care who's watching. I just like to live for Jesus. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. Thank you, Charity. So we could go back to Lena. I think are we on cue now? Students, I do want to mention to you that as I looked through the questions you turned in, uh, I realized that there were some questions that indicate uh, that you are ready for a deeper conversation. And I also recognize that there were questions that are just reflective of continued perhaps lack of awareness and understanding, uh, or perhaps just plain ignorance, right? So. There were categories that I could see emerging as I looked through the hundred and some questions that we received. Uh, and so I just want you to be aware of the fact that your questions uh, were taken seriously and were um, selected to be a part of this conversation. So without further ado, Lena, could you start us out by sharing your thoughts on why is this, this conversation important for us? Um, I personally think that this conversation is important because we're disciples of Jesus and we need to be able to understand where our past come from, not just African Americans, but all races. So I think it's really hard and really difficult for us to eat lunch with each other, you know, live next to each other, play sports with each other, worship together, and we don't know our struggles as a community. So Lena, part of what you're saying is being in community together means bearing each other's burdens, but unless we know each other's burdens, we can't bear them. 
right? So this conversation is important because it is your everyday life, right? And so to be in community with others means you share life. Right. And I think Derek was going to add to that question as well. Um, I see this conversation as important because um, just like any community, the best way to progress and be productive is working together. And in order to work together efficiently, we should all know each other to a certain extent. And for myself, um, like evaluating my own bias and uh, just messed up misconceptions, uh, it started with uncomfortable conversations to begin with. And ones that like I didn't really enjoy in the like in the moment, but uh, eventually it worked out if you dissect it and take what you learned today and just reflect. So they aren't always easy conversations to have, and I think part of what you're saying too, if I heard you right, is that there's not only one kind of person that has biases, right? We all come with biases, and learning each other's stories helps us to be stripped of those misconceptions. Right, so story is important? Yes, correct. The, the story is definitely important. And the, the main thing we should know is that like, what's going on here on campus is just a small slice of what's going on in the country. So like, if we want to change anything about the world or this continent, then we have to start here. Start here, that's part of our, that, that sounds familiar. <laughs> do, we, do any of the rest of you have something to add there? Okay, so one of the questions that we received um, referred to the Black Lives Matter um, movement, and so I'm sure that most of you, all of you, um, know what that is and why sometimes it has become something controversial. Um, so Kyle, we're going to start this question with you. Um, why is it helpful to say Black Lives Matter as opposed to All Lives Matter? I believe to matter means to be of importance and significance and saying black lives matter is saying that we are equally indispensable what we care about does matter uh, and the issues that impact us uh, should not be overshadowed or overlooked but we do matter as well so can you talk a little bit more about that as you, you said two things that stick out to me. One, what we care about matters, and two, that it's saying we are equally indispensable. Um, can you say a little bit more about that? For so long, uh, we as an African-American race have been belittled and devalued, and now we're at a position where we're saying we want to be heard as well. Uh, we are equal. Uh, no one is greater or higher than us. We are uh, equal in God's eyesight. Romans talks about that we, uh, there is no favoritism in God. Uh, so God loves us all the same. And what we are saying is we matter just as well as you matter and you matter to us just as well as we should matter to you. So if I'm hearing you right, the Black Lives Matter is not exclusive of all lives mattering, just saying in this moment in time, it's an important thing to focus on. Yes. Am I hearing you right? Yes. Right. And Charity, did you have something to add to that? I agree with Cal. When we say Black Lives Matter, it's not saying that 
y'all don't matter, it's saying that we matter too, because in this day and time, racism still exists, and we're still targeted by society and by America. So since we walk around with the red target on our chest, we want to say that we do matter, because a lot of times police brutality happens because some people don't think we matter, and because of that, we have to alarm America that we do matter too. And uh, it's just a rallying cry for those who are not given freedom still, because in this society, freedom is only granted to those, to a certain particular group of people. And uh, yeah, we're not against everybody. Everyone matters, but black lives matter too. I think when I, you know, when the Black Lives Matter uh, movement uh, began specifically to bring awareness to the fact that Black Lives Matter not at the exclusion of other lives, I remember receiving a lot of questions. And uh, I just, you know, doing this chapel is making me think that I wish I could share with you all the questions I have received over the 16 years that I have been in our community uh, in doing the work of building cultural responsibility. Everything from why is it that just it's black lives matter, why not say all lives matter? Well, like you've heard from our students, all lives matter, but we have to make intentional efforts in places where we see that lives are not mattering. Right? How would you feel if your life didn't matter? How would I feel if my life didn't matter? And I can, I can say that in confidence because I believe in a God. I believe in Jesus Christ who says to me that, Esther, you matter. Betsy, you matter. Maggie, you matter. Kyle, you matter. You all matter. And so, students, I want you to hear that this necessitates a dialogue and a conversation to understand that when Black Lives Matter is said, it's not just intended to exclude the others, but it is to bring awareness to the fact, right? So I've given you a little exegesis, and I apologize because I'm a preacher. Um, so that comes naturally to me uh, to be able to make these connections and draw understandings. So where I want to move us next is to a question uh, that is very practical and just a very everyday question uh, that is, you know, asked. And that is, is it annoying for African Americans when white people walk into the churches? So that is one of the questions that came up in the, through the survey. So could you tell us, is it, is it annoying for African Americans when white persons walk into their churches? Okay, um, no, it is not annoying. It is actually encouraged uh, for we are all his body and the kingdom of God uh, is multicultural. However, uh, in the past recent years and days, we have seen many violent acts of uh, white parties on black congregations. And thus we are now 
uh, more skeptical and observative, yet the atmosphere is always welcoming and friendly. So we do encourage multicultural experiences within our church, so no, it is not annoying. So Kyle, what you, I think, have highlighted for us is one, that we are one body in God's kingdom, right? And similar to what Esther was saying, in all of these conversations here at Asbury, we come to these conversations with a rich theological background and the ability to speak to this as this is God's conversation and not ours. This is not the world's conversation. This is his. Um, and so I think you're highlighting we are all in his kingdom and it should look diverse. But with that, the practical reality of what it might feel like to be a part of a community that has been targeted, specifically in church settings, right? And so that we might need to understand that there is some real fear in that, right? Can any others speak to that experience? Um, I think one thing that should be highlighted is their churches. Like, even though there can be a pastor that is leading the church, it's not the pastor's church, it's God's church. So I think you have to remember that even though it's a man-made building, it's, it doesn't belong to us, it should belong to God. And if the message and the goal is for that church to be your baby or like something that you've grown, you've kind of missed the point. So I think coming from a Christian background in a church where I was raised in, in a household I was raised in, I was always told that even if you make an impact in that church, like it's, it, all the glory goes, goes to God, excuse me, all the glory goes to God, so it's, it's not our church, it's God's church. I grew up in a predominantly black church and it's not annoying, it's not annoying at all. It's more so just shock because we're used to seeing people of our color than someone other than our race. It's probably similar, similar to how you all will feel. I'm not like bashing or anything. If we were to walk in, it's not like you hate us. It's just that you're not used to seeing us, so we stick out. And it's for a good reason. You stick out because you decided that day to come to a predominantly black church, and that's, that's no problem. That means you're actually trying to get engaged with the community that's not typically your own. So we encourage it. We're not against you. We don't hate you. We're not going to be mad if you come to our church. We're going to be happy because you're going to be able to actually have a different type of worship experience. So what are the other questions we received um, is what are some ways that we as a community can talk about race and be educated without feeling guilty um, or perhaps getting paralyzed by the past? How can we navigate this so that it is productive, a productive conversation? The first step is just to take that step. So have the conversation. Um, don't be afraid to ask your friends uh, questions that you're worried about. It's definitely uncomfortable and may sound silly or stupid when it comes out, but it's better to air it out and talk about it and see where you really are. Um, another good way to do it is just like among your family and whatnot and like get to learn how your family thinks and how they've been thinking. Um, I had to do the same thing. And 
with all of those things in mind, like you can uh, start to form your own opinions. First of all, there's no way around feeling uncomfortable and being guilty. If you are feeling guilty, that's that conviction knocking and saying something's wrong and I need to do something about it. So I don't really have a way for you not to feel guilty because, I mean, it's just going to happen. Um, but in terms of being practical, um, read books, talk to people, talk to people. I cannot stress that enough. There are so many people, especially on this campus, who are so willing to talk to you about the questions you might have. Don't go, I will have this caveat, don't go asking questions when you already think you know the answer. Humble yourself and be like, you know what, I have no idea and I just want to learn. And we can tell when, <laughs> when um, you're not necessarily in the right state of mind um, to be asking good questions. Um, we just want you to come with like an open heart and an open mind. Um, can the rest of you speak to what that looks like for you? So we've hit on being open-minded, and um, we've talked about humility, and talked about the fact that it is uncomfortable, right? So perhaps a Caucasian student who has questions, wants to know more, maybe feels guilty and uncomfortable, needs to first recognize embrace that feeling, right? Um, but can you talk a little bit more about what maybe helps that conversation move forward, or what has been your experience with those kinds of conversations? Okay, so when you want to ask a question, it's best to ask it in an intimate setting when it's one-on-one -on -one instead of in a crowd or a classroom and yeah, that's the best way to do it because when you do it in a classroom setting, it attracts too much attention and sometimes it just gives us, well, I'm well, speaking for myself, but it's not okay if you were to ask it in a classroom or a group of people because we're already targeted, so just putting extra attention on us and making us stand out. So it's best to ask it one-on-one. -on -one. So if you have an African-American friend, you can just ask them or you can have someone else who you think that may be better at asking a question in a genuine matter, you can let that happen. Um, a good way to, to move the conversation forward is just coming forward with um, your, your genuine thoughts and like what you're actually thinking about. Uh, as long as you come with honesty, that's all that matters. And you can see it in like all kinds of parables or like stories throughout the Bible where people ask some crazy questions or even dare to go up to like the Son of God and ask some some wild things but uh, he always had a response so as long as like the other person is loving and willing to hear you out uh, you guys can grow because I've gotten into too many conversations with my friends where it gets edgy and gets uncomfortable and people are saying things that get kind of wild but then as long as we're all taking a breath and like understanding where we came from, where we got to in the conversation and uh, where we'd like to be. So reflection, meditation, prayer, 
all of that will guide you through. Okay, um, there's podcasts too. Um, there's professors on campus who are um, equipped enough to um, help you through um, further educating yourself. Esther is here on campus to field any questions you might have. Um, I think I said podcasts before, so there's Truth's Table, and then there's The Red Couch by Propaganda and his wife. Um, so listen to those. Um, we also have student groups on campus, BSA, LSA, ASA, um, ISA. Um, so find those leaders and talk to them. Um, I, think, I think that's about it. Yeah. Some practical ways. Uh, first of all, uh, examine your own biases and see where they originated from. What messages were you taught growing up as a child? Find the root, find the root. And secondly, call out racist jokes and statements. Don't allow people uh, to be around you being racist. You make the initial step in stopping and tearing down that barrier. And thirdly, uh, adopt an intersectional approach in every area of your life. Oppression is oppression and it should be dealt with, no matter what form it is. Um, I think personally that we were taught from a very young age about certain like stories and history and facts, and most of it is from textbooks where we, we see the same thing, we're taught the same thing every year, every Black History Month. Um, <clears throat> so I think at our age now, well, we're all different ages, but at our age now and the, the grade that we're in and the institution that we're in, we have a responsibility to go out and research and go out and find things for ourselves. Um, the African American Cultural Museum in uh, DC, that's like an amazing place to see everything visually and read also and listen. There's music, there's books, there's everything you can imagine about African American history in culture that can help you find out like what you're missing because we're all missing a piece of ourselves and each other and I think that's the best way to move forward to get to know about African-American history. Thank you for those um, answers. I promised you I would not ask you a question that was not written down, but I have asked you this one, so, so I'm not gonna totally put you on the spot. But since we have solicited questions from the students, um, I think it might be helpful to also just speak a little bit about your experience here at Asbury, what it's been like for you as we are talking about, you know, how do we move this conversation forward and we're encouraging students to think about practical ways that they can engage and educational tools and relational skills. Um, could you just speak a little bit about what has your experience in our community been like? Am I starting? Sure. Okay. Um, well, my connection to Asbury was the Salvation Army. I'm a Sally. My parents aren't officers, but my dad worked for the Salvation Army, and so did my mom. So when I came here, that was a religious aspect that draw, drew me here. But um, when I first came to campus, obviously, to my left and right, I didn't see a group of African Americans or a group of Asian students or people who are of a minority. So. 
I wasn't really scared or shocked because I moved around a lot and I've had experience of people who weren't the same skin color as me, but um, I didn't immediately feel accepted because there weren't always people to reach out a hand to be like, hey, like, I haven't seen you around. Like, how's this, how that? Like, I had to make the initiative to go out and meet people, which isn't always a bad thing because I am at college. I do have to, you know, grow socially. <laughs> but like I said before, we all have a responsibility to become disciples of Jesus. And the only way that you can call yourself a disciple is to have other disciples around you, I believe. So, yeah. But I love Asbury. Coming from a predominantly African-American community and county, uh, this experience and transition has been very, very challenging. Uh, for a place that constantly preach about community, uh, I suffer from finding it. Um, so most of my life, I grew up on the African continent. Everyone looked like me. I went to school with people who looked like me. Um, I had no, I mean, I, I knew what racism was and I know that I know what I look like. I see myself in the mirror every day. I know that I am black, but that wasn't really a thing when I was back home because everyone, most everyone looked like me. Um, and then three and a half years ago, um, I came here and uh, it was, a well, not necessarily a shock. I knew what I was getting into, um, but I had to come to terms with my own blackness and what that meant to me. Um, and I had this moment where I was walking back to my dorm and I just looked down at myself and I did not even recognize myself. I was like, what? wait, I am black and now everyone looks so different than me. And it was such a stunning moment because I had never had to think about that. Um, for so long I had been in the majority and now I wasn't. Um, and I, I mean, like a lot of you, I have had to learn about black history and black American culture. Um, I have had to start from the ground up and I realized that I have, I have incentive to, because in order for me to survive here, I have to learn what it means to be black here. But if I can start from scratch like that, so can a lot of you. Um, there is no excuse not to, um, especially because you live with these people, you eat with these people, you go to school with these people, you sit in chapel next to these people, so there is no excuse not to reach out and learn because I have had to do it too. Uh, I would classify my situation as a little different because uh, I was an athlete before I transferred here last semester. And so race was kind of like a, on the back burner. But also um, where I was living, it was really diverse regardless. So. Um, I saw people that didn't look like me and like loved people that didn't look like me for the majority in here. It was a lot less diverse. Um, but I do remember like the first month and a half of being here, I think it was 
four people in total outside of BSA ever came up to talk to me. And so that was weird when I was just like talking with my parents about how it's been and whatnot. And it was just strange realizing that I stuck out a lot more and like seemed more separate or distant than uh, it usually is. I stick out for two reasons. One, because I'm black, and two, because the way I worship. Um, just to say, um, it's not polite to stare. It's not polite. But if you have questions of why I worship the way I do, I have no problem answering them. So yeah, I've gotten stared at for um, being the, for worshiping the way I do and for just walking the street. There have been stares. It's been situations where I've been in a group of people where people have asked, I guess you can say ignorant questions in front of a crowd and that's not polite either. That goes back to asking them actually one-on-one and not asking just to get a reaction from us. It's not polite to do that. But other than that, I have enjoyed my experience at Asbury. I speak to anyone that I see. I love to talk to people. I love to meet new people. So I didn't really wait for someone to meet me. I wanted to beat you to it. So yeah. I waited. Pan <laughs> Panelists, thank you for sharing your stories with us. And students, uh, this conversation doesn't end here. Uh, this is an open invitation to remain in conversation with each other. And in closing, I was trying to think what are the takeaways for us from this chapel today. And the first primary one is that in order for change to occur, conversation must take place. And so if you are not conversing, <laughs> if you are not talking to someone that can help you address the questions that are on your mind and heart, I invite you to please come and have those conversations. The second thing is know that God's grace permeates all of our ignorance. And ignorance comes because of multiple reasons. Ignorance is not all bad. Ignorance could be because of the fact that we may have not been exposed. We may have not been living in communities that are diverse, right? So there were things that I had to learn when I moved from the transatlantic Atlantic Ocean, right? From India to the United States. And that will warrant a whole nother chapel for me to share stories with you. So make sure that you recognize the reason for your ignorance and, and try to find a way. Uh, because if we remain ignorant, we most likely are missing out on some phenomenal blessings that would come to us if we engage in conversation. And then the last thing I want to say is that there's never a wrong question. Are there stupid questions? Maybe. You know, because sometimes the questions just don't make sense. And the reason I say that is because there are questions that we know are just not appropriate, but sometimes we just ask them. And I don't know why we ask them, but we ask them. And so there is no wrong question. Get that clear. There is no wrong question. There may be some stupid questions, but I would encourage you again to take your questions. And the reason I, I say that stupid questions is because I'll just share this little snippet and end. It's 10.52, and probably our chaplain is like, dismiss the chapel, Esther. But I will just say that when I first transitioned 
I'm not moving away from the stories of our black students, but I want to just give you an additional uh, aspect of this conversation. When I first moved here to the United States 20 years ago, somebody asked me that do people just travel on elephants in India? And I'm like, I'm from the city, I'm from Mumbai, I've never been on an elephant. But the assumptions, the impressions that we've collected, rightly or wrongly, inform, inform us. And it's not all accurate, so it's our responsibility to make sure that we have as much as possible accurate information, right? Because for those of you who've been to India, I know that some of you have traveled multiple times. You know that it's a complex place. And so I just share that as a, as a story to give you a different point of perspective as we engage in this. So let me pray for us and dismiss us this morning. God, we thank you for moments like this where we can hear stories, where we can learn from each other, and most of all, be reminded that it is your grace, that it is your mercy, and that it is your unending love for each one of us that allows for the transformation of our minds, of our hearts, and of our behaviors. And so we pray, O oh God, this morning, yet once again, yet once again, that you will make us more like yourself, each one of us, each one of us, Lord, regardless of the ethnicities we come from, we are in need of formation and transformation. So will you speak to our hearts today and maybe walk out of this chapel recognizing where it is that you are inviting us to be in conversation with you and with each other. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>